Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble! That is right. You heard it. It is another episode of Say It Loud with your host, Boogie the Beast, also known as Jordan Hunter. Thank you all for listening inside the United States and out of the United States. We're going to kick it off with another great episode. If you're listening from SoundCloud, shout out to you from iTunes, other RSS feeds, or if you heard it through a friend, you heard it through a family member, or if I force you to listen to this. But anyways, none the matter. It is January 27th, 2018, and I have a super special, special interview that I wanted to do before I took back off. So before I get him on here, I just wanted to introduce him. January 27th, 1940, a young man in Harlem, New York was born, one of 11 brothers and sisters to a pristine grandmother and grandfather of mine. We'll get into that legacy in a minute. We moved out to Arizona where he met my mother, and they've been married for 28 years as of today. 31 years knowing each other and dating. Without further ado, I want to give you guys and the most respect to my dad, Mr. Leroy Hunter. How you doing, dad? I'm doing good, son. Doing well, doing well. So yeah, so before I left, I wanted to get you on here, um, you know, just to talk about a few things and, uh, you know, get your time before I get back onto this plane back to San Diego. So first and foremost, I know I've asked you individually, but... 78th birthday. How do you feel? I feel great. Yeah? I feel very good. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm about 60 right now. Mm. Yeah. What uh, what makes you, do you think, stay feeling youthful and, you know, just feeling at ease with, you know, like your health and all that stuff? What, what keeps you going? Well, my almighty God keeps me going because he keeps letting me be here this long. Mm-hmm. Um, I had some incidents a few years back where I was shot at and shot about seven or eight times, but all the bullets just went through my clothes and one burnt my left hip. <laughs> but um, I walked through it and I know it was by his will mm-hmm. that I did that. And now, today is my 78th birthday. I retired from a New York City Department of Correction. How many years? I did 20 years with them, mm-hmm. came out to Arizona, went to work for the Sheriff's Department in detention for about four years, got tired of that, and I went to work for Maricopa Community College System, first at South Mountain Community College, and then wound up at Paradise Valley Community College, where I retired from that entity, but I still go there about one or two days a week just to you know, to keep up and keep um, my body moving mm-hmm. yeah how many years did you do at paradise valley and south mountain um total 20 years i retired i received a pension from them also so, so you got 20 years at and public safety mm-hmm. you got 20 years uh corrections new york city Department you got four Correct. years as a sheriff and then you also forgot to mention or didn't mention that you did 
eight years or six years in the military? No, I did four years. Oh, plot twist. Okay. Four years and 24 days. Four years exactly. and 24 days. As US, a, USMC. And uh, you, and then surprisingly, you got out, what, a year before Vietnam? Uh, yeah. Uh, when I was getting ready to get out, um, um, I went before uh, the captain and um, they, uh, they asked, do you want to re-up and go? And I said, no. And I got out. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so keeping going with work, like to a lot of people, that's 20, 40, almost what, 55, 55 years of, of working. Like why, why not after your first 20, just, you know, ride it out into the easy retirement life? What made you keep wanting to go to work? Well, I, not that I kept wanting to go to work. My work, the work that I did was relatively very easy. And I didn't lift up 100 pounds of weights. All I did was patrol, keep the peace. I made a few arrests. I was uh, helpful in delivering a couple of babies in, in New York. In what? Uh, New York, in the jail system, when I worked in the jail. You delivered a kid. I helped um, one out here in Arizona at the woman's house mm-hmm. and one in, in um, uh, New York um, on, on Rikers Island. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, a lot of my friends know, but a lot of people don't know, you have the nickname Iceberg Slim. Iceberg Slim. That was given to me by the originator of that name in Rikers Island Jails. And he told me, Mr. Hunter, always remember this. Game recognized game. And that's just an analogy for life. Pimpin', pimpin', pimpin'. And it worked unbelievably well for me in both my careers in uh, New York and uh uh, in Arizona, mm-hmm. yeah, and uh, when I went to Arizona, and uh, by working in the jails, you learned who the criminal element was. In like in New York, I knew most of the drug King dealers, pins. kingpins, pimps, uh, hustlers, and and I when I got to Arizona, I learned who who the the element was in 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 Arizona, mm-hmm. uh, where I was on the South Side, and in, in specifically. And uh, when I went to work at South Mountain Community College, that was uh, on 24th Street and Broadway of that area, they call it. That was major heroin activity. And a lot of those uh, guys, I saw them in the jails. Mm-hmm. And, and um, so uh, when I got to South Mountain and started working, they had a crime rate, I guess it was about 55, 60%. When I got there and, and started working, it dropped to about 5%. <laughs> So um, <laughs> I was working there, and uh, the president that was there, Raul Cardenas, uh, he told me, Mr. Hunter, the next board-approved job will be yours. And then the chancellor at that time, whose name was Elsner, he transferred the whole administrative staff, Dr. Cardenas, Gina Kranitz, who finally she wound up getting her doctorate, and Fred Stahl up to um, Paradise Valley, Paradise Valley mm-hmm. and transferred Dr. Cord- Cordova, and his um, administration, administration down there. And so what I did was I wrote a, a letter um, and put it in an intercampus mail envelope and sent it through the mail, intercampus mail to Dr. Cardenas. And um, one day I was off from work. Um, you know, I had to go to work, but I didn't work. I worked the second shift. Mm-hmm. And I got a call um, and uh, said, are uh, you is this Leroy Hunter? I said yes. Who's calling? It's my boss, and right now he's a, a um, commander now, 
in, in the public safety in, in um, Paradise Valley. And he was acting chief at that time, mm-hmm. 22 years old. And he called me and told me, Dr. Cardinals called and told me to hire you. And when can you come? I had to told him I had to go back to um, South Mountain and let the chief over there know that I was being transferring out right. of there, which I did. And, and I transferred up to Paradise Valley, used the same analogy up there. And got the game the, recognized the, game analogy. The same, yes, mm-hmm. and got the same results. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, went on and retired from there. Mm-hmm. And uh, But I still go there one day or two days. I was doing it after I retired, working full time mm-hmm. and drawing a retirement check and a paycheck. But um, the monetary uh, system went awry in uh, in the, that system. Damn government, got yeah, it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so now I just I go, but I really do it because I know the game, I know the job, and it's like exercise for me because I do a lot of walking. We mm-hmm. have carts and all that. Right. When I was early in my career, we had little motorcycles and motorbikes. Definitely and, did. I know. used to be ripping and running yeah. on that campus. Yeah. And um, so, but. Um, my whole career of work, and but I was working really when I was nine years old. Hmm. I was and, just about to get into this. Me and my brother Willie, my father had um, eleven kids. I was the second of eleven, and uh, my father was the superintendent of the buildings we lived in mm-hmm. and the one next door. And he worked out in Owens, Illinois, in Long Island. And I, I, um, me and my brother Willie, when we got out of school. At nine years old, we had to maintain the property, the buildings. Uh, on the weekends, we had to mop the hallways from the roof down to the first floor. Mm. And my father used to always say, put a little pine in the water. <laughs> so when the ladies and the mothers and stuff, when they went to church on Sunday, the building smelled good. Mm. And then me and my brother, Willie, we also had to, during the week, clean the garbage. Mm. And uh, we had dumbwaiters and... Uh, and then they broke down, so when they had them, we pulled them up to each floor, the fifth floor, ring the bell. They put the cans and whatever garbage they had. Mm-hmm. Then when they broke down, we just opened them up, and they ring the bell, and they all threw it down. Yeah. And Willie would take a can and lean it up against the, the wall and for the dumpster garbage area, and he would be pulling it out with a shovel. We fill up one garbage. We fill up at least each building at least three, the minimum of three garbage cans full of garbage mm-hmm. but while he was doing this i had the other shovel i was killing rats <laughs> and we ran the pipeline <laughs> yep. and i'm not talking about no mice i'm talking about rats rats i used to kill i used to kill four or five a night the size of your shoe oh bigger than my shoe big cats big cats Nasty. and then two like in we had some in our apartment we lived in a 4w and mm. um, and, and uh, you live with eleven plus your mom and dad, so thirteen people. Well, uh, yeah. Well, well, in any given, well, what's the most at one point in time? At most point in time, uh, it was it, um, at least uh, eleven of us. Mm-hmm. Um, <coughs> my later two brothers were born. Um, Eddie and Ted. Eddie and Ted. They were the last two, mm-hmm. but in the interim, um, it was uh, nine of us. And one of my sisters, Charlene, she had rheumatic fever, so she was. Uh, in in and out of a hospital. home, mm-hmm. hospital and homes. And uh, the rest of us, um, we had me and my brother Willie and Al, we slept in the back room off the kitchen. We called it the little room, mm-hmm. and we had a bunk bed. 
I had the bottom, and the two of them had the top. Mm. And um, the girls had the other two rooms, one, two, and the, and the restroom, the bathroom was there, and then another one. And my mom and dad's room was at uh, the front uh, room. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, so my dad was very strict, I and mean, he was very respected in the community. So was my mother. Yeah, I was getting ready to say that. So just to give a little bit of history, your father, from what you've told me, my grandfather, mm -hmm. he was uh, he, he had only had a seventh grade education. No, no, no. third grade education. Third grade education mm -hmm. moved from Georgia uh -huh. up to New York yeah. where he met. His wife. No, his, my mom was born. My father was from Valdosta, Valdosta, Georgia, Georgia, and my mom was from Quitman, Georgia. Okay, and then and they met. They met and and married, and uh, at the time they got married, they they um they had my sister Laura was already born, mm -hmm. she, and when um when they came up here, um they moved up here. My aunt, my father, my aunt, my uh, mother. My uncle Harvey and his wife, Uncle Mitch and his uh, um, family, mm -hmm. they all moved up. Moved up together to Harlem. New York. Mm -hmm. we lived Harlem, in Harlem, New York. I lived on 121st Street. Shout out 121st Street. Yeah, my uncles lived on 120th Street in St. Nicholas. Mm. Uncle, ha uncle, uncle Mitch and then my uncle Harvey lived on 119th Street mm -hmm. and 8th Avenue. What's up, everybody? Once again, it's Boogie the Beast, and you were listening to Say Loud Podcast. Want to give a super shout-out to everybody listening so far. Make sure to go ahead and subscribe to iTunes or SoundCloud if you already haven't. And let's go ahead and get this word out and make this bigger than it was yesterday and for the next episode for more people to hear the story. Let's get back to it. Okay, so... So like you said, Dad had a third third, third grade, grade education, education right. and he was a superintendent superintendent of a building. And then really he, you guys were his workers. But yeah, and, but he also <laughs> like he, he worked at Owens, Illinois in Long Island, right. was a corrugated box company. And, and but he also painted painted for people, odd jobs. He he knew how to do plumbing. Mm -hmm. He did all of that. And um but like I said, when he went to work we had to t take care of the, the, the building. That's and right. And um, um, what would happen if you didn't? We get beat. <laughs> <laughs> My father told me when I was, we were not, man, let me tell you something, boys. Anybody that's a year older than you is yes, ma'am, and yes, sir. Mm. And when I came up, Miss June, Mr. Harris, Miss Smith, Miss Mr. Johnson, they come here, boy, what you doing? Nothing. And, and they pop you upside your head, and I'm going to tell your daddy. And that's how we were raised. Mm. Yeah. And um it was um like I say, my father, with all those kids on Christmas, Easter, you know, a major you know, for the when he had to get money, he would go to manufacturers Hanover Trust. My father could barely write his name. And he didn't go when he went to the bank, he didn't see a teller. The manager came, How are you, Mr. Hunter? And what can I do for him? I need about $500. The manager would go to and bring the money back and give it to him. Mm. And he'd pay it back, you know. Right. And um, But he made sure every single Christmas, every holiday. But holidays when we had. Like, suited, clean. Well, we got in Easter, you got new, you know, some new suits or mm -hmm. something, shoes. Uh, we When we went to the barber, we went to Brown, Mr. Brown and Mr. Plow 
on on St. Nicholas Avenue, right across up from my, my uncle, one of my uncle, Uncle Mitch, lived upstairs in one of the buildings. And when we went, we missed, we were Mr. Hunter boys, and we didn't have to pay, he paid. Mm -hmm. and, and during my era, we used to get half soles and heels on your shoes. Mm -hmm. And on the corner was, was the, shoe, the shoe shop. And we we just take our shoes and stuff there, and he would fix them, and my father would pay for it. So it sounds like everything was based off, like, uh, I mean, obviously there was money, but it was more of credit back then, like before credit cards. It was like, oh, you're Hunter's boy. We'll take care of, you, you know, and your dad would take care of it. It wasn't you had to give instant money. No, it wasn't. Because, yeah, it wasn't, because it, your father had such respect in the community. It, right. He, he paid cash. Right. Yeah. He, um, and my mom, my mom. Well, during my era, I worked for, for they had uh, illegal numbers in Harlem right. during that period. And on the, I worked for the, the, the Jack Herzog, who was a Jewish um, guy who owned a uh, um, supermarket. And then he owned a golf school with Jimmy Johnson, who was the first, one of the first black African-American golfers. Right. He had a golf school there. And uh, I worked in, in, the, in, in the store mm -hmm. and my mom was... One of the um, well-known number players uh, in 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 that area, right? And if my mom told the mothers, "Don't play with them," then don't play. They, they, they wouldn't play. Right. And then next thing, one of them would come to my house and uh, Miss Hunter, please, and and give her X amount of dollars, mm -hmm. and uh, she'd go wave up. Out the backyard window, and wave and, and tell the lady, "Okay, go back." And they go back and play. Also, in Harlem, when Percy Sutton, Adam Clayton Powell, other uh, politicians from Harlem, when they wanted to get reelected and go, they would come to my mom's house on Sunday. We had, like I said, eleven of us, and we do. And, and when I said I named how many rooms, the front room was my mom. Mom's, yeah. Then it was another bedroom. Then it was the bathroom. And then it was another bedroom. Then it was like the living room. But also in the living room was a table with about eight or four or five chairs around it. That's where we ate at. Mm. And then when you went through, through the, this door here to the kitchen, that's where our room was, the little room right, right. there. And then it was, you went into the kitchen, the refrigerator, the stoves, and blah, 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 blah. And my mom could burn too; she could cook. And um, they used to come there and on, on and and have and, Sunday dinner. I have dinner to get her to tell the, the neighbors and all the women stuff to vote for uh, for them, and they did. Wow! And they they won. They, you know, mm -hmm. that's clout. Yeah, that's clout. Uh -huh. That's real clout. That's really real clout. So mm -hmm. speaking about that, I mean, getting away from the work stuff. Uh huh. Harlem, New York. That's right. The original, literally, like the. Like the black. It was the Mecca. It was the Mecca. That's right. What, what was it like growing up in Harlem? Oh, it was wonderful. Yeah. It was wonderful. I'm, I'm going to give it about, because you were born in 1940, yeah. so about 1950, you kind of started, you know, I mean, well, 48, you really had a conscious memory. Like, you can think back that Yeah, far. yeah. Oh, yeah. So, right around the 50s and the 60s and all that stuff, Harlem, New York, like, I mean, we'll get into the segregation and all that stuff, but... Well, like, it wasn't well, no segregation. No, 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 no. Oh, I'm talking ahead. about in life in general, Go but ahead. in Harlem, though, like the 50s and 60s, what, what was it like to it be was, there? It was magnificent to be there. Uh, like I said, also, my my cousin, Ruth, uh, she used to work 
go work, go with the Sandman. You know who the Sandman was? He was the original um, dude at the Apollo. At the Apollo Theater on Amateur yeah, Night. Yeah, the clown. The, oh, yeah, not, yeah. yeah, he put on the suit, and then if you didn't make it, he pulled that hook on you and pulled you off the stage. Yeah. And uh, that was her boyfriend. So I got to go to the store for any act that was at the Apollo Theater, you know, go to Harlem. To the, and at Harlem, you had fish and chips, chickens, you know, mm-hmm. different stuff. And... Um, Go and I've been to. I went to the store for Aretha Franklin. Wow. Um, you name who James Brown. James Brown. Sam Cooke. Sam Cooke. Anybody that came through that Apollo Theater, I and I, I went to the store for. You know they paid me right. and, and tipped me pretty good, and that's that was because of, of my cousin Ruth, and uh, yeah, and um, and like I said, I grew up and got older. I um, got to know who the who's the, and when I worked for Jack Herzog, I, I knew all the thugs and uh, yeah, I was about so so um, this and this is this is a disclaimer. I've right. always told people this, right. and you will hear it on other interviews that I interview with my uncles. Did you used to rock with Frank Lucas? Oh yeah, I knew Frank Lucas. Mm-hmm. And you used to, wait, like did you run with him or did you just no know no no him? no? I oh, knew okay. of him, but, <laughs> but he he was he was big. I could you know right. And, uh, Uncle Willie used to Uncle Willie knew him too. Yeah yeah and. Um, I I knew a lot of the major uh, hustlers. I would call them. Yeah, I knew a lot of the major pimps. You know, and I knew that um, when Frank Sinatra, Sammy Davis Sammy Jr., the Rat Pack, the Rat Pack used to want women. They would call him, mm. and he he they said, "I want Marie, Sally, Joyce, and whoever." <laughs> you know. And uh, he would send. They would send five or ten thousand dollars to to him, and the girls would go to the Bahamas or wherever they were at. Yeah. And that's oh please. Um, it was a it was gratifying. It was enlightening. It was you know. And and as I grew older, I, I used to learn. I learned how to dance Latin dance. You know, mambo, salsa. Right. Now they call it the salsa, cha cha, and. Uh, after I learned how to do that, I used to like to go to the Palladium, mm-hmm. and that was downtown in New York. And I tell my dad, "Pop, Dad, I want I want to go to the Palladium." He said, "Yeah, you be home by eleven o'clock." The burners, we call them girls, burn because you dance with two or three of them at a time. Mm-hmm. They didn't come to the Palladium until about twelve o'clock because they in the bars in New York stay open till four. So they'd go in and get, you know, right. nice and a few drinks. And then they come down to the palladium and I'd come home and be one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Listen, I never had a key to my mom and dad's apartment. <laughs> I had to ring the bell. Oh. And I, like I said, their room was the first room right there. And my father would open the door up. And when he opened it up, he had his belt. When I came up the stairs, I took my jacket off, my shirt and everything. <laughs> and when I went in, I, he opened the door. I got pop, 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 pop. <laughs> and every Friday, I got beat. But I, I it had was to, worth it. It was worth it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What is up, Say Loud Podcast? Once again, I hope you guys are enjoying this interview with my dad. Please excuse the ambiance in the background. I am editing uh, on the road as I go through the airports and all that stuff. So, but once again, it is so amazing to just be able to sit down. And of course, I've heard these stories before, but it's always good 
for other people to understand that my stories aren't just fairy tales. It's really my dad's life, and it means a lot to me, especially coming from such an era and a renaissance, you know, uh, starting platform like Harlem, New York. So, well, once again, it's not always about you know who I know. If you know somebody out there that has a story that needs to be heard, or if you have a story that needs to be heard, please let me know. Contact me. But I'm gonna let you guys go ahead and get back to this amazing story from my dad. So, I mean, it's you know, you, you, you're going through high school, you graduate high school, and you did, you went immediately into the Marines. Or, I'm, or I'm you joined the Marine Corps. Yeah, yeah. about um, um, August of, of, of '58. Wow. Yeah. What was, what was the military like back then? Well, I, I went to um, Paris Island, South Carolina, and uh, you know the drill instructors they 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 you know really strict and mm -hmm. and but what I did was we worked we lived in Quonset huts and I was in platoon three twenty three. Jeez. So I learned my drill instructor's cadence mm -hmm. and his call. So in the morning when we got up, he would call us. He said. Three, twenty three, then we have to holler. Three, I, I. He said, I can't hear you. <laughs> then he said, Three, twenty three, get outside. And when we came out, we had on our skivvies, those are drawers. Oh, yeah, we and still call them that. Yeah, t shirts, you know. And we had a, I had to shave at 18. I didn't have a hem, but you had to put that razor right. on your face at 18. Uh, and you carried your soap and your razor. And he he said, march you down here, march you down to the head, the right. shower in yep. the band. And then he said, three, twenty-three, three, twenty-three. You have fifteen minutes to S S and S. Mm. You know what that means. You want to tell the people? You want me to say it? Yeah. Shit, shower, and shave. <laughs> <laughs> and then he'd go back to his Quonset hut, right, which was right up where we were at, right. But so I tell my man, I said, man, hold up. And everybody run because there's only so many showers, so many sinks, mm -hmm. and you know. So I wait till they all got in there, and I say, "My he he said he's back in his hut with his other drill instructor partners. They drinking coffee." Then I would say, "Great, on it, great, get outside!" And they come running back out, and we just walk in. <laughs> they, and they never told on me either, though. But um, yeah, and um, I um had. A, Learned, uh, you know, uh, followed all the, the edits of, of boot camp mm -hmm. and got, I was pretty good at learning how to drill and march and, you know, and shoot on the rifle range. I was a, a marksman, sharpshooter on the rifle range. We At that time, we had M1s. Right. And, uh, and then uh, when I was ready to uh, leave boot camp, my sister, Charlene, had passed away. She had rheumatic fever. Mm -hmm. fever. <clears throat> so I had to come home and for, for the funeral. And, um, and then when I went back, I had to go back to Paris Island and wait for the next Group. platoon to, to come out. Right. And so when I went back to Paris Island, I worked for the... Uh, um, mess hall. The mess, not the mess hall, sergeant. At Paris Island, the sergeant, I'd help uh, maintain the barracks and stuff for him, you know, cleaned up and make sure the barracks were ready when a new group was coming in. Mm -hmm. And then when that next group went out. Uh, Get him ready for the next. Uh, uh, yeah. Now I went, I got transferred to Camp Lejeune. Gotcha. But when I went to Camp Lejeune, they were in Lebanon. 
Uh, during that period of time. Gotcha. So I, I worked in the barracks. I stayed in the barracks, but I worked in the mess hall. I ran the, the um, where they got all the goods at. Um, gotcha. And um, so one day I was in the barracks, and the first sergeant was still there, and there was another couple of guys there. What this other guy that was in there was, he was from Georgia, and he he was his his wife and kids were right right up the road from where we were at. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first sergeant come back in, and he was southerner. He said, "Anybody want to go to the first Marine Air Wing?" He said, "What's the first Marine Air Wing, first sergeant?" He said, "You'll be going to El Toro, California, and from there you'll be catching USS General J.C. Breckinridge." And you'll be going to Opama, Japan. And at the time when I got when I got to Camp Lejeune, I was qualified as a rifleman, a right? Infantryman, O three eleven. But uh, when uh, he said, uh, "You want to go, Mister John?" He said, "No, Miss First Sergeant, let Hunter go." He said, "Because even my wife and kids, blah blah." Right. And he said, "Mister Hunter, you'll be going home to uh, for uh, two weeks, and then you'll be flying back." They flew me back to back to New York, and I stayed home with my parents. And you know, at, and when I went back, um, I went to El Toro, California, which is now closed. And uh, I waited till we got a group of about two hundred of us, and then we got on the USS General J. C. Breckinridge, and I got off at Opama, Japan, mm. and uh, and started at, acting a fool. No, no, I I became a aviation trash through truck driver mm-hmm. and my MOS changed and I, but when I got to Opama, Japan, that's when I learned all about everything. <laughs> oh, I swear. We used to go out in town in Opama and uh, when I got there, my, I got a girl named Michiko she she owned three bars, <laughs> and uh, she on on the first and second drag was her bars, mm-hmm. and uh, I couldn't. Um, and when I wanted to hang out with the fellas, I had to go to the back streets, back, the next three, two or three bar uh, uh, areas, and because if I went in a bar other than hers and tried to mess around. They said, no, Royce, I'm Mitchell, no like, Tom, no like Tom Domineo. And so, but anyways, <laughs> I, I, that's where I learned everything about the Kama Sutra, about women, about life. And, uh, and I also learned a lot from, from a lot of the men there. And because, and, uh, we, we made a lot of deals with, with the certain people like, Cigarettes, we we could get a, a ten cartons of cigarettes a month. Jeez, you know, and we didn't smoke them all, you know. Right, and uh, sell a lot of them, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, whiskey, because mm. it was hard for them to get a lot. Yeah, of them, yeah, so. Uh-huh. yeah and, so it was a, it was a and, hard uh, bargain. And, uh, and Mama Sons and and Papa Sons, here, Roy Son is, you know, they pay you in in uh, yen, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you could you could always transfer the yen too, right? Yeah, and but and when we got paid in the military, we got a uh, uh, script. It what we didn't get greenback American money, but we got uh, uh. we call it script, and uh, we could use that out there too. And uh, I stayed in oh, Opama, Japan. From Opama, we went on ship 
and we went to China. I spent spent a, a month on the Chinese air base, uh, and we're new, maneuvering with them, and went through the same rituals in China. Went to town and met Mama Sons and stuff, <laughs> and uh, then we went to the Philippines, and uh, definitely been there. Oh, the Philippines, same same ritual, and uh, <laughs> so I spent. I think it was about. Mm, 13 months, 14 months in, in, in Japan, China, Philippines, blah, blah. And then I went to Okinawa. Well, that was my last stop. And we had a Marine Corps air station that was built there, and I was on that. And um, when I left there, I uh, came back to Quantico, Virginia, um, and uh, stayed in Quantico, Virginia. That's where the presidential uh, helicopters and his planes are uh, right there. Yeah. And um, I uh, stayed there and I was eight, like I said, I drove the crash truck and stuff. And then from there, we used to go to Washington, D.C. On, and sometime when guys who had cars, we would come home to yeah, drive, drive uh, back. You know, we had the weekend off, we'd drive up and drive back. And uh, learned a lot of stuff in, 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 in those areas and met a lot of uh, people uh, you know, in, in positions and stuff. And uh, I, um, when I got out the Marine Corps, you know, just when I got out, the um, uh, Korea, um, no, Vietnam, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Vietnam was literally, literally acting up, really. And uh, so I got out and came, got out and came back to New York. And uh, I uh, got just knocked around for a while in New York and my brother Willie was there and, uh, and um, I went to work out at some um, different places and then I took the test for the New York City Police, uh, New York City Department of Correction and, and, and we also, you know, in New York you got subway and uh, cops and right. stuff. And uh, a correction department called me and that's where I went. I went to Correction Department and mm -hmm. um, went to first. I went to Rikers Island and spent about eight years, nine years there. And and I ran a block of three hundred and fifty inmates, and that's where I got the nickname of Iceberg Slim. Mm -hmm. And uh, the wardens used to ask me, "Mr. Hunter, why you don't ever have any problems in your block?" And I'd say, I, "Because I run it, sir." And during that time. When I got off work at night, because I worked the second shift, when I got off work, I didn't go home. We went to the bars. <laughs> what time was second shift over? Um, um, eight or nine at night. Okay. And we went to the bar, and um, the bars in New York closed at four o'clock. Right. Still didn't go home. We went to the after hour clubs right up in the area where we were. They and the after hour clubs didn't close to about eleven or twelve o'clock in the afternoon. But I left there, uh, I should leave the after-hour joint uh, about 8. In and, the morning? In the morning. I'd run home, take a shower, clean up, and then I'd go to, right, drive to Rikers, check my gun in, and, and then go into the block and tell my clerk, Blackie, get on the loudspeaker and tell everybody Mr. Hunter hung out last night, and nobody would come near me. And I'll be on the right block side of the block, and uh, only the heads of each ethnic group could come talk to me about what they wanted. <laughs> yeah, 
and it worked. And um, I said, when I, once I moved around for two hours, I didn't go to sleep, and nobody could come near me. And uh, in two hours, I'd go sit back at that table, and head of each exit group would come to me and tell me what they want. In jail, food, cigarettes, and clothes, mm. like in inmate clothes, right. like money. And that, what's up? What you need? Mr. Hunter, so on, so on, so on. Won't involve nobody getting hurt or nothing. Mr. Hunter, you know we would never do anything like that in your block. Because like I said, the wards used to ask me, they did that in, in, in there. And when I came out here, they asked me the same thing. Mm. Why you never don't have, you never have no problem with you? Because I know the game, mm. you know? And, and, they, and the inmates used to say, Mr. Hunter, when are you, why are you asking when I'm all? Mr. Hunter, when are you on? Because they didn't want me there because it wasn't going to be in my block. It was going to be some trouble somewhere else in another block. And I said, I'm off Friday and Saturday. And bigger than stuff, I, it comes on the radio, on the TV, all correction officers report back to Rikers Island. I didn't go back because I knew what was going down. <laughs> you know, and uh, um, even though it wasn't my block, you know, they, they didn't want me to, to go in there and because once, once there's problems of that nature in the block, we go in there and we, we have vests on and, and sticks. And now, as later as it got later in, in the career, they had stun guns and everything. Right. And then you open up all the cells and you say, all right, anybody that don't want to be involved, lock in. And anybody that was out went to Bellevue Hospital Prison Ward or, 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 <laughs> got that or, ass or, or Queens. Yeah, they <laughs> got beat down. It's finna be a yeah. breeze. Yeah. And, um, but um, like I said, and doing, working in, in the jails and in New York and Arizona, I got to know the, the whole game inside and out. Mm -hmm. That's why I, I and um, I also. I used to hang out at a club on the Oasis on 148th Street and Broadway. And uh, one night I was in there eating the Chinese cook, Willie. He cooked very good, so that was one of the spots we used to eat, eat at. But I was living up that way then. I, w I wasn't married then. I was just living up, up uptown. Mm -hmm. And uh, after I finished eating, I was coming out, and my man Ronnie Hughes, he just bought a brand new Datsun 280Z, and he made a U-turn, blew his horn at me, and then he pulled up about two doors from where I where I was at, to the grocery store then, and got out. But it was starting to rain lightly, and across the street was a Dominican drug crew, and this one Dominican kid who he just came up here maybe about two three weeks ago, before, and uh, he was driving one of the boss's cars, and he made a U-turn and ran to Ronnie's. Dodson uh, 280Z. Mm -hmm. Ronnie came out hollering and screaming and cursing. The kid ran across the street. And uh, at that time, I carried a Smith & Wesson five-shot revolver. And I had a leg holster. Yeah. And um, Ronnie standing up there hollering and cursing and screaming. I said, Ronnie, what are you doing? And the neighbors, I guess, called the police. But in the interim, here come four or five of them come running back across the street. And all of them had guns. They opened fire. Ronnie got hit. 
he went down. I took seven bullets through my leather jacket, my clothes. None of them broke my skin, mm. but one of the bullets hit me on the hip, and I felt the heat of the bullet, but it didn't even break, to break the skin. Ronnie was on the ground. I, I, I caught the kid that started the whole thing. I had him laying down on the ground. The rest of them ran. Here come the boss of the crew. He came across the street and he asked him, Donde is, and in Spanish, where I was. He told him I was in the doorway. But all the time, I had two rounds left in my revolver. And uh, he did, he jacked it, he had automatic. So I dropped the gun from his head to his stomach and pop. He went down, his gun went on the ground. The kid that I had, he ran. Uh, I went to the curb, made sure his gun was under there, took my shield out. The neighbors called the police, and they all went to um, the hospital um, up on um, 170-something Street and um, um, Broadway. Mm -hmm. um, uh, that was um, where the hospital was, and uh, Ronnie died there. Mm. Um, the, the kid that I shot, he uh, had his stomach cut out. And then he went to Bellevue Hospital Prison Ward until he healed up. And at that time, I was uh, working at, uh, I worked at, running the hospital kitchen then. And I got a call. I was home. Mr. Hunter, yeah. Said so-and-so and so was uh, being transferred from uh, Bellevue Hospital Prison Ward to Rikers Island Hospital. I said, do me a favor. Uh, hook, hook me up with the officer on the fourth floor, which he did. I said, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to tell my clerk up there, whoever's on the first bunk on the right-hand side, I want you to uh, have him move, move out of there and put this guy uh, there. Because he was the boss. No, or he no. was the boss. He, he was the boss, the one that I shot. Right, 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 right. But I wanted him there, and I told the, the, my clerk, tell nobody to mess with him. They wanted to kill him. Mm-hmm. Because they knew what, what he what he did. What he, he did to you. But he shot at me and, and what, Ronnie. And Ronnie. And um, he came there. And they didn't bother him. And he he, he healed up. And uh, he got seven and a half to 15 years. And I also picked out three or three more of the guys out of the police log. And they got seven and a half to 15 years. I got the um, Correction Officer of Benevolent Association uh, Medal of Honor. And uh, also the Daily News Hero of the Month Award. Yeah, we got that article upstairs, yeah. or downstairs. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, Ron, like I said, Ronnie died. He was buried. I knew his wife and his, all his kids and everything. Mm. And um, but you know, life went on, and uh, they all grew up. And like I said, I <laughs> went on and until I got tired of um, like. Living that life, um, live, quote unquote. Like not, not living that life. Um, after I retired from the correction department, I uh, knocked around for a while. And then I went to work and uh, in the Maricopa school system. Right. And uh, but I used that, I used my same analogy in light and learning uh, at the school because at that time when they were stealing stuff, that yeah, the time crime you, rate. You could open up a car with a clothes hanging, all that stuff. Easy. And they would, um, but once I got there and I learned who was who, um, 
the crime rate at, at uh, South Mountain dropped from about 40% to about 2%. Mm. And that's when President Dr. Cardin is, yeah. uh, sent the yep, thing the, to have me. Um, but, um, um, and then um, I, um, but he got, I told you he got moved to uh, right. Over pa the other Paradise like, Valley. Rotated, yep. And uh, so I wrote a inter-campus mail on, uh, a, a letter to him and put an inter-campus yep. mail on. Asked for the, yep. And sent it to him. And at that time, I was still working at South Mountain. Like I said, one night I was off, still off, still resting. And I got a call and they said, asked me, was I Leroy Hunter? I said, yep. yeah. And it was my boss now. He's a, he's a commander, Scott Meek. And they said, um, Dr. Cardinus and Gina Cranis. Gina Cranis, she wound up getting her doctorate also. And that's who the, one of our buildings is named after. Yeah. Uh, the, the building that our office is in now, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and um, I, I went back to South Mountain and told him I would be leaving. Yeah, and I went up to South uh, Paradise Valley and, and I worked there and I retired from there also. But I still worked there one a day or two. Right for exercise. For exercise. Person. So moving on, moving uh, away from mm -hmm. work and all that stuff. You met mom. Mm -hmm. You met mom. How did it happen? Well, mom, we used to hang out. Um, at the BFW, the American Legion Club, all the clubs in, in, uh, on the South Side. And uh, we met at the clubs and we got to, you know, hanging out together and meeting each other. And then we just, eventually we moved in together. Mm -hmm. Not not here, but we another place. another place. And uh, we stayed together for, in fact, we was on um, uh, um, what is it? Um, Twelfth Street? No, no, on um, where where? Uncle Willie used to live. Oh no, across Seventh Street. When we go across Seventh Street, <laughs> and when we come all the way over to <laughs> what is it? Um, <laughs> and and it was a complex there. Uh, um, now it's still there, but it's uh, the high the college got it, Grand Canyon University. Oh, gotcha. You know, yeah, yeah. but anyway, we we lived there, and then we got married, and uh, um, then we moved. But I bought this place, and we moved up here, and uh, this and this. You were not born here in here, but uh, um, that's when you you were born and raised up in here, and yeah, and. Um, yeah, and um, now the way mom tells the story is mm -hmm. the first time you met, you asked her for her number, mm -hmm. and then she said, "If you still really want it, you have to come back and get it next week." Yeah, yeah, something like that. So, okay. you, so you had to shoot your shot twice. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh man. Yeah. So I mean, you know, now now going into uh, you know retired Harlem, all that stuff. You know, like what's what? what how do you you live to see a first black president? You know, oh yeah. Do you, do you ever think mm -hmm. you ever think that you would see that in your lifetime from from what you came from to to, to life that you lived? I mean, you lived through, you literally lived through segregation. Uh huh. I know. Yeah. yeah. And uh, um, uh, segregation was all in, in the South now. Right. I never. I when I went to in the service, I I, I um adhered some of it because when I went to, it was in um, South Carolina and stuff like that. It was a lot of segregation there, right? Uh, and uh, and but 
And when I got out of there and went overseas and stuff like that, it disappeared. It disappeared. By the time I got back, it was uh, you know mellowing out and uh, um, like I said, when you said um, I didn't actually Martin Luther King when he was in Harlem, I didn't I didn't meet him, but I spoke to him as he was uh, walking in Huntsman. That's when he got stabbed too. In Harlem, by a Martin, and I'm not gonna say what it was, why he did it, but uh, anyway, um, uh, you know, and uh, so I, you knew Malcolm X then. I knew Malcolm X. I knew um, um, I'm uh, Muhammad Ali. You were uh, Muhammad Ali's first wife's bodyguard. Bodyguard at the Apollo Theater when we did a thing for Muhammad Ali, mm -hmm. and uh, I was standing behind her, and he came up. He said. You looking at my wife? That was his first wife. <laughs> I said, come on, champ. I'm not doing it. He said, you. Then he started throwing, you know, not Fake trying Jeff. to hit Yeah, me. yeah, yeah. And then, uh, but he was he was a, and then we should take uh, kids. We had a, each one teach one group in Harlem. Um, my man, um, uh, Kenyon O'Brien, we used to call him Chicken. And uh, we used to take kids on bikes and stuff up to his camp when he had a camp, when his boxing camp. And, um, uh, um, we also gave him and his wife uh, uh, um, uh, um, a celebration over in Harlem, over the club, uh, over on um, over on, on Broadway, mm -hmm. and uh, then after from there we came back to the Apollo Theater and uh, had had a commemorative thing for him there. Yeah, he was a, he was a heck of a gentleman. Yeah, you know, we, you know. What made you uh, after you left? New York, and you've been out here long. I mean, you've been out here longer, obviously. Now, mm -hmm. what made you not ever want to go back to live? Because the cold weather. <laughs> Please, I, after I got out here and 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 felt got, this, felt all this weather, and 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 and, shucks, and I, I was, this is it, you know. Yeah. I mean, I went back home a lot. Well, yeah, but, I know. But uh, but it was because of the weather. Nothing like the West Coast, right? Not, yeah. No, nothing like I love Harlem. Yeah. But um. I loved the, the the heat and stuff here in Arizona, and then too when we were here, we went to a lot of traveling. We went to the Bahamas, uh, Saint Martin, Saint Martin's, uh, different places, you know, cruises, and, cruises stuff, yeah. and everything. And uh, yeah, and and, and I, I, it was a good life, and it still is, you know. And uh, even retired, um, I. Uh, and people say, "Why? How you work?" I said, it's, "I don't. I don't do work." Right. You know. Even when I worked in the jails, I didn't consider it work because I didn't lift up nothing. I just gave orders, and everybody did what they were supposed to do. And I was, and the wardens and used to ask me, "Mr. Hunter, why you don't never have no trouble in your block?" I said, "Sir, because I run it." And they found out my nickname too. Yeah. The, some of the wardens, and they used to mess with me. Iceberg. So. Well, oh, sorry, sir. <laughs> but uh, it it uh, like I said, it paid off in 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 when I worked there and when I came out here. Yeah. And I used the same analogy that he told me. Game recognized game. Game recognized game, and that's just an analogy about life. So mm -hmm. going from that, then you know, getting on to the most mm -hmm. important piece of this, mm -hmm. you had the most pristine son you ever could have asked God for. The man that's interviewing you right now. 26 years later mm -hmm. what it what, what was it what was it like when you and mom had me like 
your life changed. I did, now I'm your obviously your second son, mm-hmm. um, but you know, mom and like between you and mom or whatever, I was I was the late the late bloom. Yeah, you know you 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 were you were the, the next bloom, but you were a masterpiece. You were and you know it yourself. You were a very knowledgeable young man. You know, and from from youth, you listened and you followed directions. And then, I, I know you remember, do you know, remember how you learned how to swim? Yeah. My, well, the next door neighbor. Wait a minute. We when the pool, when we first put you in the pool, we used to put the little belt around you and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And uh, she lived in 119. Mm-hmm. And I uh, forgot her name. Miss Dawn. Miss Dawn and her girlfriend. Forgot it. I forgot that too. And when she took you in there, she took that belt off you. Mm-hmm. And from that time on, I think you were about what? Oh, you might have been sixteen months. Sixteen year, months or something. Yeah, yeah. And you learned how to swim. Mm-hmm. And you've been swimming ever since. And you swam for the school. You swam in, in up to the PAL, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you swam in high school. And you swam some didn't you do some in college? Uh, a little bit. But yeah. then you know, when, yeah. 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 Now I do it yeah. for a, uh-huh. a quote unquote living. <clears throat> yeah, you know, you do it for a living because you're a deep sea rescue diver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, yeah, like I said that people. I said my son been in the water since he was, he he was he wasn't even walking real good, <laughs> but he swam. He could swim. Yeah, and he he's always been in the water, and um, he he grew up to be a a good young man. You know, like a lot of kids during that era were going on on the far left side messing with drugs and stuff like that. I said, he never did any of th- stuff like that. Nope. I mean, he knew people because they knew who he was, who he was. He was my son. And uh, he knew a lot of people that did a lot of things of that nature. But uh, they, he, he was, he didn't have to worry about nothing in, in Harlem or, or, um, or any, even out here when, mm-hmm. Because he was born out, you were born out here. Mm. But you've been back to Harlem, and you, you've you been recognized back there, too. And, uh, uh, and now you're um, about to become uh, out of the military and going into new realms and stuff. But you're very, very much qualified to do that because uh, you know the game, too. And you learn, and you recognize what it is. And how it's to be done, and you you know you're doing it very well, you know. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. When you uh, I mean, we'll wrap it up here soon. Mm-hmm. But when you look back in your life, everything you've done, mm-hmm. everything you've seen, every you know every every experience, would you uh, would you would you redo any part of it, or have you just enjoyed the ride for what? Oh, I enjoyed. I wouldn't do any part because all my life, I never had had any uh uh. Huge setbacks. Huge, huge any setbacks. Yeah. You know, um, I always um, followed the edits that I was taught by my father. And like I said, he was a great influence in, in me being the person I am now. Because reading now, I say, yes, ma'am, to women. I'm not an old woman. I said, ma'am, I'm not saying that because you're an old woman. I'm saying that because that's the way I was taught. Mm. And it's just... Uh, yes, ma'am, and yes, sir. It don't mean you have to be 89 years old for, 
stuff for me to say that. Right. And uh, and even they majority of them just they they like it and uh, uh, it's gotten me through a lot of um, life period life period and uh, and I, I and I valued and utilized all the attributes and things that I was taught by my father by the streets, by the life, by, um, I learned a lot too from inmates yeah. in the jails. And uh, they wouldn't let nobody follow me hmm. in the streets or in, in the jail. And um, I, I, and I lived a life, I, I didn't, I wasn't, I lived in this life. I hung out when I was in the bars like I say, when the bars closed, we used to go to the after-hour club. And, then after, and, the after, and after that, hour, I'd go to work. Shower and then go to go work. Go to work. And then I'd come home. I I didn't go. I went back. And I did that. And then I did all that until I um, retired and caught pneumonia that last year. And I was staying with my mom and my dad at the time. And my mom, my dad had Parkinson's disease. Mm. And he had a, 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 a lady who took care of him. Um, and uh, she was a Jamaican lady. And during that time, I, after I caught pneumonia, I, was, I went to the VA hospital, and they gave me a bottle of pills, about that big. Big, big pickle old, jar. Yeah, pickle. big big pickle jar. And he, they said, you take two or three of these every day and blah, blah, blah. So in the interim, when my dad's um, in, in house. housekeeper yeah. came, came back, from Jamaica, she bought me back a bottle of sea moss. Sea moss looks like snot. Ew. It comes from the bottom of the ocean. Right. And she said, you take a tablespoon of this every day, boy. <laughs> and I swear, I had about, I, I'd use about a quarter of that bottle, which was about that big. Mm -hmm. Tennis ball. Yeah. Uh, and um, got rid of all that um, um, pneumonia. Mm. And I took the bottle back to the VA, and uh, she and uh, I gave the uh, the rest of it to some people I knew, you know, could, right? And told to them deal with it. Yeah, this is what you do. And then in case something and they were sick and that, and it worked. And um, and after I healed up, that's when I, because I came out here to visit Willie, uh, my brother, when he was. Um, Honeywell. Honeywell. No, he was Air Force. He no, was he was at he, Luke Air Force Base, right? No, he was out he was of the Air Force. That's right. That's right. Uh, but he was working at Honeywell then. Right. And uh, he was living at Orange Arbor. Yep. On Thirty Fifth Avenue, and now the um, um, Grand Canyon University it takes. Uh, it they runs got that now. Yeah. yeah. And uh, never came. And never went back. Never I always remember. I always remember the warm weather and everything. And so, when I decided to hang it up and stop all that. You know, hanging and doing everything. I called him, said, "Man, I'm coming on out." And I came back out, and and he was living on um, twenty twenty third Avenue between uh, Camelback and Bethany. Right, right. He had a big house, and on behind his house, he had a one bedroom, like a long casita looking studio. Yeah, I used to call it a little house on the prairie. <laughs> you know, and I lived in there for, uh, and I went. To, he went. He was still working. He was working out at um, um, Honeywell. Honeywell, and I used to go out there, and then he got me a job out there. Um, 
I was just helping the guy to maintain some of the property out there. Right. And uh, I was I start drawing uh, my check, first one from from uh, Department uh, New York City Department of Corrections. Right. But um, and then uh, I took the test for like I said for the sheriff department detention and uh, um, uh, PD and um, stuff like that and Scottsdale and Phoenix. Yep. And the sheriff called me first and yeah. I went to work for them and then got tired of that. That's when I went to Maricopa. Mm -hmm. And uh, Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, so wrapping it up, one more question I always like to ask everybody at mm -hmm. the end. You get a two-minute phone call. Um, actually, yeah, I'll switch it up for you because I really want to hear this. You get a five-minute phone call to your dad right now in heaven. What would you tell him that you were most thankful for, or what would you say? I'm, you know, I do think I do that anyways now, but I, I thank you, uh, Dad, for for bringing me through and and keeping me on right, righteous and good path, and um, for for teaching me. And my mom also told me, and they told me, like I told you about who's who and what's what. And I and I learned to respect el my elders um, because my then when I came up, if I Mr. Johnson or Miss Smith or Miss June, Miss Harris, they saw me doing something wrong. Come here, boy. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. What are you doing? Nothing. Pop, pop you upside your head. Right. And then they tell your mom, your dad. Right. You know. But one of one I want to tell you this boy, I think I was in the fourth grade, and my fourth grade teacher, he said, Mr. Hunter. He said, I want to see your dad here at 1.30. Ooh. He knew my dad had to go to work at 1.30, so it means he had to be late. Mm. And when I went to school, you didn't go to no office. <laughs> he came in the classroom and told, told my teacher what I had did. My father said, Junior, is pulling his belt off right there in that class, about 30-something students in there. And he beat me like Kunta Kente. <laughs> <laughs> and, and don't you ever, and he never, I never had that problem again. Don't you ever have me. And uh, and like I said, as I grew up and I, and I started utilizing all these facilities and these edits, uh, and and I still use them today. And, uh, and it's gotten me to where I'm at today at 78 years old. Mm. And... Uh, Never been in jail. Never been in uh, you know in trouble or anything like that. Big yeah. trouble. Yeah, big trouble. Yeah. Definitely, we've had about eight eight speeding tickets since, since I've. Been oh, I've had speeding tickets, but most of the time when in New York, I flashed my badge and get away with and it. got away with it. Must be nice. Yeah, I, I did. Got away with some of them out here oh, too. I know you have. Yeah, Don't but worry. Uh, so. you know. But yeah, Dad. You know, I appreciate you being mm -hmm. on here. Um, I usually give people at the end like a uh, a short plug to kind of just end it or like you know shout out their social networks but considering you don't have any social networks mm -hmm. i don't think you really need to do that but do you have anything finalized you want to say to the people around the world well i want you to say i would say that um, um you are getting uh knowledge and structure and wording from a a dynamic young man who was also raised by a lady and a gentleman and he is a good young man and uh, he's on the right path 
that he's going to go on and upward doing great things and uh, he's going to be doing greater things as he get older because he knows the analogy game which is only analogy about life recognize game and with that I say to you that God bless and keep you and keep you on your path to righteousness and goodwill and good fortune my man, my dad, y'all. Thank you so much for tuning in to Say it Loud Podcast. Make sure you guys subscribe, iTunes and SoundCloud, or just hit me up and I will send it to you. Until next time, I want you guys to stay black and stay woke.